The demand for energy is accelerating like never before. New sources are emerging and established ones are evolving. Collectively, all sources will provide the fuel needed to support future global demand. Here on the Energy Scale-Ups podcast, we explore and learn about the people and companies solving today's problems to produce tomorrow's energy needs. Here is your host, Jose Solis. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Halliburton Labs. Halliburton Labs works with early stage companies to help accelerate their growth by providing access to operational expertise, mentorship, as well as financing opportunities as companies prepare to scale. Enter to win their weekly giveaway at HalliburtonLabs.com forward slash giveaway. Hey there, listeners. Welcome back to another episode of the Energy Scale-Ups podcast. I'm your host, Jose Solis, and today I am joined by the QII.AI team, Michael Cohen and Naya Choi. How are you guys doing today? Doing great. Thank you, Jose, for having us. Oh, it's, it's great. Uh, I had a great pre-show, a lot of fun, a lot of laughs. I'm very excited for this conversation. Just for a sense of geography, can you guys tell us where you are at today? We're located in Toronto, Ontario, in Canada. Awesome. And how's the weather up there? It's a little gloomy today. It's a little, a little rainy. I biked in. It was nice, refreshing. Awesome, awesome. We're just starting to get a little bit of the weather change down here in Houston, so very excited about that. Today's topic guest is going to be how drones and their data are improving the energy industry. And I think this is going to be a really interesting conversation. Naya, if you wouldn't mind leading us off, I'd like for you to give the guests a little bit of your background. My background, yeah. So I graduated from industrial design and joined the company right away, fresh after school. And it's been around two to three years since I joined the company. I joined in as a product designer bringing in fresh perspective in a startup. And now I'm going into product marketing, um, basically marketing what I've designed with the team. So Awesome. Awesome. And Michael, what about yourself? Jose, I'm a seven-year entrepreneur. I spent the uh, first 20 years of my career in manned aviation. Most of my paycheck, not all of it, but most of it was as a commercial pilot. And seven years ago, I hung up the wings and decided to become an entrepreneur and started Key AI. And I'm not going back. I'm not going back. That's awesome. So before, you know, before we started the podcast, I did a little bit of homework on the both of you just so that we could have a great conversation. One of the things that I noticed, Michael, is that you used to fly for the United Nations. Can you talk about that a little bit? I think that's so cool. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for allowing me. I'm, I'm actually pretty proud of that. I was like this typical out of university, got to make it to the airlines guy through my 20s and into my 30s. And at 35, I was in a a national airline and I was just bored out of my brain. It's like dream job for a lot of people, but it wasn't for me. So on like a Sunday afternoon, I decided, okay, I'm going to up and I'm going to bust up my career and, and do something I was really passionate about. And I ended up getting really, really lucky and landing a job working for the United Nations flying a, at the time it was like a 50 seat regional jet. I did three missions. I did the war in Eastern Congo at the time. I did the war in Darfur, which was like a scary place. And I did the mission between North and South Sudan. So it was definitely not like military. It was pseudo volunteerism and just like, you know, work hard, play hard, see Africa. And yeah, it was one of the highlights of my career for sure. That's awesome. How do you go about, I mean, where does the UN take volunteers? Like, how does that even work? Well, I wasn't a volunteer. So 
when the UN goes into these places, there's not the infrastructure. You wouldn't want to use the infrastructure, even if there is. I mean, these are, in some cases, really desperate societies and communities. So you really need to go in and set up a regional airline or, or ground transportation, that sort of thing. So you, the UN vendors that out. And so as a private pilot or a private citizen, you're able to go in, land a job with a vendor. You know, you see the, the Canadians doing off-strip stuff. You see the Americans doing some off-strip stuff. You see the Russians definitely flying helicopters. And so you're able to participate if you're willing to, you know, get up and go. So it's, yeah, it's pretty cool stuff. So what is the, I guess, you know, the average person like in the UN? Is there a lot of people like yourself or, you know, I would say because every industry or every profession, like for instance, in the military, you're going to find, you know, a lot of ex-athletes, right? Or a lot of people that were into certain things that have certain interests and hobbies. What kind of, or is it very eclectic, the, the kind of people that you meet at the UN? Yeah, totally eclectic. So you've got like, you've got the people that are from militaries that are serving for the United Nations, right? Like they're, they're reporting in and, and participating on behalf of their, their national armed forces. So you've got that whole group, you've got the people that literally work for the United Nations take a paycheck. So that whole bureaucracy, and that from all levels is like a truly international team, like you get somewhere and there's just people from absolutely everywhere, that in a lot of cases, you know, have left their families, are sending money home, you know, working, working, you know, like 10 month stretches, 12 month stretches before they're getting, you know, in these places that are dusty, dirty, sometimes dangerous, oftentimes dangerous, and just like doing fantastic work. That's cool. That's cool. So how did you make the transition from commercial pilot to an executive for an unmanned aerial vehicle company? <laughs> Yeah, I don't know, is the honest answer. <laughs> I'll, tell you, I'll tell you this. So I had no idea. So we launched this like drones meet building inspection, highly tech, you know, that had this cloud platform, this app. And this is like a concept in late 13, launched June 1st of 2014. And I'll tell you my journey. I had no idea what a tech company is. I had no idea about tech ecosystems or culture. Never mind venture capital and, and all of that stuff and cloud. Like I was totally in the dark. And the way I like to tell this story was months in, I kept hearing people refer to verticals. They'd ask me what vertical I was in. And I assumed that that was like a growth market. Like I pictured a chart in which it was up and to the right. So it was vertical. <laughs> and I literally had to go home and Google, okay, what are they talking about with vertical? And I realized I was so behind I knew I was top of my game as a pilot, but I was literally day one, like kindergarten of running a tech company. So I decided I would take on self-education. So every day I would start the day with like 30 minutes of like finance, do, do two months of finance, do two months of sales. And then I started to really build a friend network, people that were building tech companies. That was like the best education ever. And so that's how you and Naya came together, right? Through this venture. And so Naya, what, you know, what's, you know, obviously coming right out of school into a tech company, like, you know, what, what you guys are doing at QII, how's, I mean, how did you make that decision that, you know what, this is the direction I want to go in as far as like this company, you know, down like what Michael's saying, this vertical, what was it that excited you about, you know, drones and the opportunity in this space? First of all, I would like to raise that it's key AI, not QII. Yeah, key AI. <laughs> yeah, thank you. A lot of people are confused with our names, so it's a good opportunity for me to share that. Thank you for setting me straight. <laughs> 
No worries. Yeah, so joining in the company, I actually didn't come from a very tech-oriented background of a lifestyle. I came from a more like human-centric, I love talking to people, I love learning about people's stories, and that's why I actually came into design, is to learn more about people's perspective and bringing that into a designing product or system or like a service. So that's why I joined the company. I wanted to bring in more of that humanistic, human-centric perspective into the energy sector. And yeah, I wanted to be like the user's advocate of, you know, designing the product because I understand a lot of the times in this energy sector, things are pretty static. Things are, you know, they're big assets, they're big system that has been around for so many years that things don't change a lot, right? Things don't change very often. So I wanted to be that person that can bring in fresh perspective and sort of bring in different aspects of design, marketing, sales, and have the user in the center of it all. That's awesome. And one of the things that we talked about before, like in, during the pre-show, as far as like some of the new parts of technology that you're really excited about, especially as it pertains to key AI, was actually artificial intelligence, machine learning. Can you talk to that a little bit? Yeah. Like I said about having that human-centric design approach, same goes for artificial intelligence as well. When we say artificial intelligence, people often say that it's there to replace any type of human approach to doing things, whereas I want to take an approach where we're humanizing the artificial intelligence. So we want to make sure that it's there to assist the people's workflow that is already there rather than replacing anything that, you know, we cannot do or, yeah. Hey, it's Mark LaCour, Editor-in-Chief here at OGGN. Just a quick interruption to share a few things that are going on in October. We have not one, but two industry mixers this month, one on October 7th and one on the October 21st. Just check out our social. They're always great events, and the money that you help us raise goes to fight human sex trafficking, and you get to network with oil and gas executives. We have a new show that just came out, Energy Transition Podcast. Also remember, we have 14 other podcasts for your listening pleasure. And then the end of this year, we'll be full media partners for the 23rd World Petroleum Congress, December 5th through 9th. The World Petroleum Congress has not been in Houston over 30 years. So make sure you put space in your calendar. Come check us out. And then finally, join the OGGN Street Team on LinkedIn. It's our all-volunteer group that's really going places. I'll see you again next month. Yeah, so I think it's really interesting that you put it in that perspective because one of the things that I've heard other people say for many years, actually, is that, you know, technology is one of these things that is going to allow us to pick up different skills and leverage it so that we can be safer and be more efficient. And it's not necessarily here to replace the human, but rather we have to skill up a little bit and learn how to utilize this technology for our benefit so that we can be more productive in the workplace and, you know, in, in life in general. We're using, you know, technology. I mean, I don't know about you guys, but I can probably count the number of hours on one hand a day that I don't have some sort of screen in front of my face. We're already, you know, using artificial intelligence on a consistent basis, whether we think about it or not. We're using you know, a lot of these technologies to make our, I mean, it's amazing, especially in today's age, we can do so many things with technology that we couldn't do before. And it's made our lives so much better. And it's made us more efficient, 
and now there's obviously a flip side to that where we become very dependent on this technology, but it's a good opportunity for us to pick up new skills, be more efficient, be more effective in the workplace. How is Key AI really helping companies, you know, be more effective with their technology? Yeah. So as a designer coming into Key AI, I think I wanted to just make sure that I go through every single step of the current workflow of the inspection and the user of our software. So rather than trying to you know, replace any of the work, we're basically just assisting every step. So for example, creating like a cumbersome report to making that, making that process a bit easier by just collecting the data and automating that segment of the workflow or making sure that they have a tool to easily segment the area of the anomaly so then they don't have to manually do that job. Another example could be making sure that we have a central place where they can store all the data safely. So we have different types of tools that user can create like a pocket of site asset and inspection. So they have more of a holistic workflow that supports their current inspection work already. Michael, the data that you guys capture, how are companies leveraging that data from the inspections that they're doing with their drones? So our client base goes out and they collect visual data. A lot of it tends to be from drones. Some of it's from pictures or just from cameras, from handheld cameras. And then once you put that into our system, you're really, you're doing two things. You're combining this management of the data. And if you're going to manage data, you got to manage people as well. So you got to, you know, you've got to have this like Dropbox functionality, right? Like super amends and view only and all that sort of stuff. And then you've got to manage the data for our business in Key AI, we manage it in three dimensions or two dimensions. So we process camera data, literally photographs, into digital twins. So you've got this digital representation of the asset. So that right there is insight. If your business is running or maintaining or inspecting the asset, just being able to look at it is an industry. You know, it provides a ton of information to engineers and inspectors just be able to look at a thing. Is it broken? Is it not broken? What's its condition, right? And so from there, you generally, as Naya said, you want to create a report. What we also do is we bolt on this whole other section, which we call label and train. So what we discovered really early on when we went out into all of these industries around energy was the nuclear people were speaking a different language than the oil and gas people. And by the way, the oil and gas people offshore we're using different specifications, classifications, and language than the oil and gas guys or people onshore. And that's like, forget about the other things like hydro, like electric, and hydroelectric, and solar and wind. Like everywhere you look where you can impact on data analytics, the language would be different. So then you've got to go create all this training data to really leverage computer vision and machine learning because that's what everyone would like, Right. Great efficiencies that run down to the bottom line. Well, if you need to learn every language of every sector and use case, it's, it's virtually impossible for an early stage company. So what we did was we bolted onto this user management and data management, the ability to, as you use the platform, as you label things, as you identify everything within the scene that you're looking at, you're literally creating your own training data. A couple of things that we do, we do differently. 
Of course, then you're spooling that up for more machine learning. That's an obvious principle to, to a company like ours. The other thing is you're siloing your own learning. So every time one organization uses a platform, if they're using it 100 times more than a second organization, they're literally learning and developing 100 times faster. So this is a really unique, really unique way that we build the customer-owned mathematical models. And that's the way we approach the market. You sort of hit on something that I'd like to ask is, you know, what verticals within energy? I mean, obviously, they're all probably using drone and they're all using data for sure and and machine learning and ai it's starting to come up but which segments of the industry are probably you know using it in different ways and you know what do you see emerging in different parts of energy as far as like using drones and the data that they're collecting so we think about the market we break it down into nuclear oil and gas electric and then renewables wind and solar and each one of those you see this like common principle of you know efficiency speed and safety to go and get data right that's that's like this underlining principle across then you see different use cases on whether or not it's outdoor well of course inspecting a wind you know turbines going to be outdoors you know an offshore oil platform is going to be outdoors as well but then you've got this whole indoor scene that's happening as well where you literally have drones that are able to go in self-navigate self-map create, you know, digital representations of the inside of, you know, these huge boilers and all these sort of, you know, weird and wonderful things that the market uses or that energy uses. But generally it's, look, if it's safer to do so, if it's faster to do so, if you really need to get a view of what's going on, this seemed to be the principles all the way across. And I would say oil and gas was probably out in front, upstream and midstream. Nuclear was shortly after. Hydro is a little bit, you know, we're all sort of like really excited about hydro. Hydro is like, you know, thousands upon thousands of miles transmission and distribution. And so that takes this really unique drone and software solution and regulation, this whole sort of blended model to make that happen. That's before us, but coming. Nice. Naya, you know, Obviously, being involved with a company that collects information from drone inspections, you see the capabilities that drones have. Are there any capabilities that you think are probably like the most beneficial? And are there any new like emerging capabilities that are coming to the forefront that you're really excited about? Yeah, for sure. I mean, drone is such, you know, quite new to the industry. So I think it's bringing a lot of values and more importantly, just data digital transformation that's coming to the energy sector, I think it's huge. So creating digital twin using the drone data and making sure that you have all the information stored digitally and be able to, you know, compare different data that was captured in different times and sort of assisting the inspector into seeing the differences changing gradually. We're so excited about you know, just making sure that we can witness the change and making sure that we can work together digitally. So even if the asset is in Africa, you can collaborate just digitally. And, you know, of course, with the COVID-19 as well, we are seeing so much benefit of having things digital and how we can support that. So I think drone really brings a huge benefit on bringing the assets condition and maintenance digitally. So we love that. It's always nice to go back and compare like sort of when you look at old 
versions, like if you look at Google Maps, right, and then you overlay like over time frames, like if you look at the different times frame, you could see how certain things change. Like if you do a Google map from 10 years ago and then you, you look at it, you know, five years ago and then, you know, last week you see, you know, so many things change on a map, right? And I think it's always interesting to be able to recognize like, oh, look at this huge change that we have. And we wouldn't be able to do that without, you know, obviously digital information that's being captured by satellites, drones, et cetera, right? Michael, you wanted to add to that? So let me give you two things here that I, I think could be could add in. So now you give you this digital, you know, on the on the post-flight side of things. I'll give you a flavor of two things that are exciting on on the drone side of things, the hardware side of things, that just happen to be into my day today. There's an Australian company that's worked out line pulling for electricity. You know, you've got to feed if you're doing like miles and miles of new line, which the globe needs this phenomenal number of new transmission lines. You pull these things with helicopters, really costly, dangerous. There's lots of examples of accidents. It's low to the ground, not great use case for, for helicopters. So they've worked this out with a heavy lift drone. So just far better, cheaper, faster, safer, like just amazing. That's the other really thing cool. in energy that's pretty exciting about is, you know, we've bolted on these sensors, which are largely, you know, visual or maybe multispectral or maybe thermal infrareds. People are starting to put on other sensors and other things, you know, like lifting devices, like, like this line pull. There's a company in Canada doing ultrasonic measurements. So, you know, they, they're able to fly a drone up to the side of an oil tank and put this sensor in, and then get a gauge, you know, a, a measurement of the steel, which is like just, you know, like the imagination is, is absolutely fascinating. But I think I'll add one, one more thing. You know, the digital transformation and the change detection is really, really interesting in the energy market. Everyone wants this. Everyone's talking about it. Super excited to come. The thing that's driving a lot of our business and a lot of the innovation is really the crew change. In everyone we talked to, you know, there was like at the refinery, there was Bob, you know, or Sally. They ran it for like 25 years. They were genius. They had a little book. They recorded everything. They knew every valve, every switch. Yeah. And then they retired, right? So you've got this diminished workforce. You've got this change of or, or out of knowledge. And so everyone's trying to figure out this transfer of knowledge. And it's got to get to documentation. It's got to become digital rather than analog and in someone's head. And that's really, that human element seems to be driving a ton of the innovation really around digitization. That's really interesting that you say that because we've been experiencing the great crew change in the industry for a long time. And obviously... There's been huge impacts to that, especially as we've had aging workforce, we've had less younger people that are really excited about entering the market. So having new tools and technology available to entice younger workforce people, people to come into the workforce to energy, to get them excited is really, is really good. And it's key for the longevity of, of our industry and that capturing of knowledge and not losing it when somebody you know moves on or retires that's really important for the long run because you're right you know whoever ran that plant or facility for 20 plus years or whatever it might have been they know the facility intimately and when they leave that knowledge leaves with them and so being able to capture that knowledge and contain it and have that transfer of knowledge is really helps with the continuity of the care of the facilities which in the long run could help really maintain that facility for you know an extended amount of time or prevent accidents from happening and things of that nature, which obviously we're always trying to increase our safety in the industry because we're at the end of the day, we understand that 
there's a lot of things that can happen to go wrong. You want to add to that, Michael? The one thing that I'm really excited about, if we're talking about technology, we are we're talking about technology and energy. You know, one of the things where I'm really excited about on the great crew change is, you know, mixed reality products. Because now you can get like the OEM, you can get the manufacturer, you can get the inspection company, you know, into goggles or into a hood. For someone who may be junior, you can augment all this information into that person's world, you know, who's now able to perform the task. Maybe it's pre, maybe they're pre-trained on it. Maybe it's real-time feed, you know, and all of these data sources, whether or not it's drones or handheld cameras, you know, CAD, all this stuff can be poured into that environment. That's a space we're really excited about. Yeah, I've talked to a few people and I've even had one company on the show talking about mixed reality, VR, you know, and being able to augment reality, I guess AR, right? Augmented reality and being able to leverage that technology to help, you know, train people to help, you know, people on the ground to capture information, you know, just to be more efficient, right? And so I think that's really interesting as well. I think that's going to be, you know, that's definitely part of the next wave of digitization when it comes to the industry. I'm really excited to see what technologies emerge or, you know, what companies emerge with that technology. Because, you know, when you see companies like that have been oil field service companies or energy service companies for the long term, you know, they're definitely investing in these newer technologies. But I think the real innovation is going to come from companies like Key that are smaller, more agile, that are, you know, driving new opportunities. And then they get acquired by, you know, the Halliburton's, Baker's, Slumberjays of the world. That's usually how things go in the industry. Or we could see new companies start to come together and make, you know, their own service companies that are just focused on digital products and not, you know, hardware products or, you know, like traditional oil field service products, right? They're just focused on digital products. So it's going to be really interesting. You know, I would love to see the, what it would be like the Google of the oil industry come forward somewhere, right? Like the IBMs of the world that for, for just energy. So that's going to be really interesting. So I think it's really interesting what you guys are doing. Before we close, how can people get in touch with you guys at Key? How can they connect with you? Where can they find you guys at? We're um, on LinkedIn as QII.AI, QII. And QII.AI is our website. So find us on LinkedIn and our website. We'd be happy to talk to you. And you guys are going to be here in Houston on the 25th and 27th of October. Can you talk a little bit about the event you're attending? Yeah, so we're going to be there for Drones and Robotics Coalition on Houston, Texas on October 25th to October 27th. We're going to have a little booth where we show some of the artificial intelligence projects that we've been working on. Maybe we might be able to show some of the augmented reality products that we've been experimenting with. And yeah, we'd love to just interact with you and show you what we have built. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Michael, you want to add to that? No. no. <laughs> Naya nailed it. It's the Energy Drone and Robotics Coalition. We're really excited to get down to Houston. It's been years. Awesome. You know, like everything, it's been, you know, over two years. So we're super excited to travel again. That's so great. And obviously, we can't wait to see you guys here in Houston and have you in the city and, and meeting people. We want to thank the guests. Obviously, I want to thank you guys for spending some time and thank you, audience. Before we go, I want to mention, please be sure, audience members, to enter to win our weekly giveaway. The backpack from Halliburton Labs is pretty awesome. Also, if you have time, please rate, review, and connect with us with any feedback that you have. 
great conversation. Thank you guys so much for joining us today, Naya and Michael. Thanks, Jose. Thanks, Thanks so much. Join us again next week for another episode of the Energy Scale-Ups podcast, a production of the Oil & Gas Global Network. Learn more at OGDN.com.